Hello and welcome to Bought at a Price podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Hannah, a functional nutritionist and deep, deep, deep and above all a Bible lover. There's nothing that makes me more excited than being able to connect health and nutrition with God's word. This podcast and our blog takes you on a redemptive journey towards understanding the way that God views your body lifestyle, and role in his kingdom. Jesus redeemed us from a life enslaved to sin. He freed us to live out a new life as women of God. Today, we're going to be looking at some stories in the Old and New Testament about accepting help from others. Accepting help That's got to be one of the hardest things to do. It totally flies in the face of our self-sufficient, I've got it all together, perfect Instagram image lives. Have you ever stopped to consider we might have it all wrong? We're going to open God's word and see what we can learn about accepting help from others. We're going to look at a few Old and New Testament stories, and as usual, I'll have some devotion questions along the way. This time, though, I'm saving those questions for the end, after we've looked at these stories. I want to show you, though, and talk to you first about how God got my attention with regards to accepting help. If you're struggling to accept help, know that you are not alone. And as you listen, imagine me sitting right there beside you, answering the questions that I'm asking you. Because let me tell you, I had to answer these questions for myself first. Ready for a little help with help? Let's get going. So just the other day, I find my, found myself getting really frustrated and, to be honest, mad at my family. Why? Because they were doing what any loving family would do when a family member needs some help. Me? I was the one who may have needed that help. And graciously accepting help from others is something I struggle with. One of these days, God will have finally worked the Hannah do out of me. So it started last week when God blessed me with a continuous glucose monitor that connects to smartphones. And after one too many horrible low blood sugar experiences, I'd agreed to connect my blood sugar to my mom and my sister's phones. They now have a graph on their phone showing every last thing my blood sugar does. Um, I kind of feel like I've just put my entire life in a big giant billboard for everyone to see, comment, and make suggestions on. When my blood sugar reaches certain levels, their phones alarm, and as soon as those alarms sound, my mother calls and my sister texts. Now, I know they're trying not to both do it at the same time, but if you can imagine, I've got my phone alarming and ringing, and texting. Maybe I over-exaggerated a bit, but boy, it had me feeling like I was about ready to hit the wall. I should be grateful though, but I'm still, even a week after beginning to write 
this out and thinking about and praying about and studying about, I'm still struggling. I don't know what it's like for them to to find me unresponsive. I don't know what it's like to call 911 to save somebody's life. I don't know what they've experienced. How I've been responding to their help? Not so nice. And after snarkily hanging up the phone with my mom the other day, the Holy Spirit convicted me. He is always so gracious with his convictions, but it's a grace that sometimes cuts like a knife. And I think in this instance, it needed to cut like a knife because it needs to cut some stuff out of me. It got me thinking, though, about help and why it's so hard for many of us to accept it. I can't be the only one who struggles to accept help, right? So why should we accept help? The short answer to that is because it's modeled through scripture. Both the Old and New Testament are overflowing with examples of people asking for and accepting help. I've picked a couple of these stories so that we could study them together with the Holy Spirit. But boy, oh boy, was it hard narrowing them down. Part of what I hope you and I learn from these stories is this. Help is a two-way street of giving and receiving, traveled by everyone. People need and are to offer help. Needing help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of being human. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's dive into the Old Testament. This first story I've called Lifted Hands. Go figure that my favorite story of Moses also happens to be one where he needs help. As Israel was traipsing through the desert, they were attacked by a fierce nomadic tribe that killed for pleasure. Um, eek? Moses told Joshua to quickly gather some fighting men and that he'd be on top of the hill with the staff of God in his hands. As long as Moses kept his hands with the staff held up, the Israelites were winning. And every time Moses' arms got tired and lowered, the fierce tribe started winning. Moses needed help so Israel would win the battle. Aaron and Hur, just so happened to be on the hill with Moses, quickly came up with the solution. Love how God put people around knowing that Moses was going to need a little help from his friends. They moved a rock so that Moses could sit down, and then they stood on either side of him, holding up his hands until sunset. Here's what's awesome about this rock situation. From the battlefield, Moses appeared to still be standing with upraised arms. Those below didn't know that Moses was actually being held up. They didn't need to, and that rock... That rock was symbolic of the rock that's long held Israel and us up. That Ebenezer stone of help for all our trials and tribulations, Jesus Christ. Exodus 17.13 says, So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Moses had offered to do something not realizing what sustaining it entailed. And those around him recognized the need and provided the solution. Teamwork focused on the Lord, not Joshua's sword, won the battle. 
made new. Maybe you've heard the story of Naaman. He was a brilliant army commander, but I gotta love the butts that God puts in the Bible. Naaman had leprosy. Leprosy was a horribly feared and incurable disease of his time. And an Israeli servant girl who happened to be at Naaman's house, I'm presuming that probably a battle had brought some Israelis as slaves back to Naaman's hometown. But any hoosers, she said to Naaman, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy, 2 Kings 5.3. She believed in God's ability to heal and shows us that we should offer help even when doing so requires a leap of faith. Her leap of faith sent her, sent her master to another country, separating him from the troops he led and sending him to a prophet who wasn't exactly expecting him. Her unshakable faith believed God was big enough to do just what she told her master he would. After getting permission to go, Naaman headed for Israel loaded down with a letter for Israel's king and approximately $9.2 million. I did a little Google searching and some math to come up with that number. He obviously hadn't listened to the servant girl too well, though. She'd said, go to the prophet, not the king. So when he finally made it to the prophet, he turned right around and stormed off angry. Kind of like me hanging up snarkily on my mom. See, Elisha the prophet had told him to go wash in a pretty scuzzy river, the Jordan. And Naaman had let, had let his pride blindside him to his need, a disease guaranteed to kill him. It was his servants who convinced Naaman to turn around and follow Elisha's instructions. What happened? 2 Kings 5.14 Part B says his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. In light of Naaman's story, have you ever been offered help recently maybe that you've walked away from, ignored, or got angry about? Why'd you do that? And what do you think the Holy Spirit might be telling you to do now? based on Naaman having to turn around. But you want to know the best part of Naaman's story? It wasn't that his skin became like skin of a young boy, though I know some of us aging women would love to have young people's skin again. Naaman told Elisha, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. 2 Kings 5.15 Naaman came to recognize, honor, and worship the God of Israel. God uses our offering of help and our accepting of help to bring about changes with eternal value. Help involves faith and it brings life-changing victory. Now we're going to take a look at some help examples from Jesus. So, New Testament help stories. The first one, desperate faith. This is an awesome story of asking for help. So there's a centurion in this story who was a wealthy man with a lot of power and resources at his fingertips. He was humble enough, though, to go to Jesus, not for his need, but for the need of one of his servants. 
He understood that getting things done at the snap of about getting things done at the snap of his fingers. In Luke 7, 8, he told Jesus, I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. He knew Jesus had the same ability to get things done by the power of his spoken word. Jesus in Matthew 8:10 says, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And in verse 13, Jesus says, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. Jesus helped the centurion because he had the boldness to ask for help and confidence in Jesus's ability. What do you need help with, but maybe haven't asked for Jesus, friends, or family's help? What is it? And why haven't you asked? And in light of the centurion story, how might you should ask? Twelve years of suffering. This story actually involves Jesus helping two different people. The story begins when a synagogue ruler comes to Jesus and begs him to come heal his dying daughter. As Jesus is walking to the man's house, surrounded by this huge, thick crowd of people, we encounter the second person needing help. Throughout scripture, she's known as the woman with the issue of blood. But first, can you imagine needing help because your child is dying? Maybe you're in a position like that right now where your child or a loved one is dying. Maybe your need isn't as urgent, but still, regardless of the urgency of your need, know that Jesus is willing to help with every need you or your children have. Back to the woman who needed help. She'd been bleeding for 12 years, had been to every doctor imaginable, spent all of her money, and was getting worse and not better. Mark 5:28 says, she thought if I'll just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And as soon as she touched the hem of Jesus's clothing, her bleeding stopped and she knew that she'd been healed. Jesus told her, daughter, your faith has healed you. As this was happening, the synagogue ruler got word that his daughter had died. But Jesus looked at him and said, don't be afraid, just believe, Mark 5, 36. When Jesus finally got to the synagogue ruler's house, Jesus said to everybody, why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep, Mark 5, 39. He then went in and told the little girl to get up, and she did immediately. Both of these stories show that we have to ask for help and have unshakable faith in the one who provides our every need. Don't get me wrong, though. Jesus also helps people with no faith, weak faith, or wavering faith. While sometimes those with unshakable faith feel he doesn't hear or do anything about what they've asked for help with. Know that you know that you know God always hears and he always answers. It's just that we don't necessarily always know the why behind God's reasoning for his answers. I know many people who'd trade anything to have a, ha- a mom and a sister who love like mine. And while I didn't ask for their help, I've certainly asked for God's help with my broken body. 
It wasn't until I started writing this post and researching the stories for this podcast that I realized God had answered my prayer. Sometimes I'm a little bit of a slow learner. Part of the help God provides me comes in the form of my family. God helped us to created us to be part of families in relationship with others because he knows we can't do life on our own. He doesn't want us to. As you're pondering over your needs, I'd like you to think about a few more things. Who has God placed in your life to help you? Have you asked them for help or ignored the help they've offered? When you and I humbly accept help from others, we're modeling Christ's likeness to them and anyone else around or who hears about whatever happened. Since we're called to reflect God to the world, I know I need to be sure that my attitude isn't messing that up. How have your responses to offered help or your requests for help reflected God? We need to approach God's throne of grace with the same confidence Moses, Naaman, the centurion, the synagogue ruler, and the bleeding woman had. Confidence that has absolute faith in God and that expects him to hear and act, even if we don't like the way he decides to act. We've got to remember God knows what's best for us. We don't. How will asking for and accepting help make you a stronger woman of God? I'm going to leave you with the same verse that we started with. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4.16 May you confidently accept and offer help. May the limitless mercy and grace of our loving God meet your every need. May your current season of need bring God honor and glory and praise. May lives be changed for the better because of how God helps you through your need. You can get the questions from today's podcast at www.boughtatoprice.com forward slash accepting help. Scroll to the bottom and you'll be able to print up the accompanying PDF with the scriptures and the devotion questions from today's podcast. Again, www.boughtatoprice.com forward slash accepting help. Until next time, God bless.